Welcome to the Bubblehead Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm with my co-host, Robert. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, we got a really nice show planned today for you guys. And, uh, you know, we'd like for everybody to give us a follow on Twitter if you can. Uh, you can find me at uh, BBH Robert. And um, Eric, do you want to introduce yourself and kind of tell everybody what we're talking about today? Yeah, yeah. And uh, please listen my or follow my way, uh, Eric. E-R-I-K underscore Bubblehead on Twitter. And uh, today, this is so exciting. Um, we're having actually our first guest come on this podcast, and it's none, o- none other than the legendary Bob Long. So uh, Bob does the Fantasy Football Consistent Guide. He has created and runs the Fantasy Football Expo. Uh, he is you know, a foundational piece of the Fantasy Football hierarchy. Uh, Bob, please. Say hello. Hi. Um, wow. Thank you for that introduction. Um, it's it's funny. I've this is maybe the fourth or fifth time I've been a, the first guest on somebody's podcast when they started. So that's kind of fun, kind of cool. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, thank you for the kind words, and uh, really looking forward to talking about uh, a lot of that stuff today. So thanks again. Yeah, and I think uh, coming on people's first show or being their first guest says a lot about who you are. You're very supportive. Uh, you're very supportive of us. We really appreciate that. And I'm pumped to hear uh, some consistency talk with you. Yeah, no, thank you. And, you know, as somebody who was in your guys' shoes many years ago, you know, wanting to get people's attention and wanting to, you know, um, talk to people and, you know, uh, it's, it, it, it's tough. So, you know, I, I feel like um, I know the one thing a lot of people have said about this expo beyond just the traditional, you know, helping people learn new stuff and new ideas and, you know, is the um, everybody has kind of learned that we're all kind of the same people in this world. And while there's Andy Barron's and Brad Evans and Mike Clay's and Bob Harris's of the world, um, there's folks at my level and there's folks at your level and, you know, and, and, but we all, nobody has an ego. Everybody kind of just, you know, we all treat each other with respect. And I think that's, what's best. What's awesome about this community. Yeah. You said, well, uh, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I've, uh, the more I interact with the community, the more I feel that's the way it is. I mean, there's trolls out there uh, that's on Twitter, but I always tell people, you're not going to see those trolls show up at the expo. They know better. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you guys ready to go ahead and jump in and yeah, start talking? Let's do this. Yeah. So, so Bob, do you want to uh, talk a little bit, kind of how you consistency model? I know this has uh, been your baby, and it's you know it's off to college at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this baby started in 2002 when uh, my local league that we started in 1985. Um, and I had it was a touch. It's always been touchdown only scoring because we started before the internet. And uh, the 2002, the MVP of the league was Sean Alexander. He was on my football team, fantasy team. Uh, he scored 15 rushing touchdowns, which is huge in our league because you get six points for rushing, but only three points for receiving touchdowns. Uh, or the receivers only get three. The quarterbacks get three. So a running back who gets 15 touchdowns is just golden in our league. And so he rushes for 15 but the problem is is that he scores five in one game three in a game two in a game so like two-thirds of his 
touchdowns were only in three games. Well, the other, you know, 12 games, 14 games leading into the playoffs, he didn't score anything at all, uh, or at least not most of them. And so I figured that if he would have been more consistent and scored one touchdown a week for those 14 weeks or 13 weeks, I would have made the playoffs, won two more games, uh, and probably won the championship that year. And so that's kind of the whole, how it all started. And then I'm like, well, if I, you know, my PPR leagues and other leagues I'm in, what change the scoring and figure out a way to track that consistency. And I wanted to make it very simple and easy for people to understand. And, and so as they say, long story short, uh, the rest is history. And here we are 20 years later, I've had a uh, fantasy football magazine, the consistency guide that you can get on Amazon. Uh, and it's been nominated for five straight years by the Fantasy Sports Writers of America for Best Football Publication, uh, won the award in 2018. And it's just still dumbfounding to me that people love it as much as I do and, you know, order it every year and thank me for winning their championships because it made a difference. And that's what it's about is, is this is a, just another tool to add to your arsenal um, along with your other stuff. You know, I always say I'm the, the consistency guide is the fries to the happy meal. You know, you go get your big data stuff from whatever you like, fantasy alarm, ESPN, Yahoo, whatever, and then buy the consistency guide and help you fine tune those players. Uh, and so, you know, it's an add on, uh, but it can be very effective to separate the, the men from the boys in, in your league uh, when you're trying to win those extra games to get to the playoffs and win a championship. Yeah, so that's kind of one of the interesting things for me with the consistency guide has always been, you know, it's if you have an inconsistent player, you know, it's hard to win games reliably just because you could have weeks where you're going for, you know, 50 points more than the, the your opponent. And then, you know, some weeks you're going, you're scoring 50 under them, right? So, or you uh, only lose by two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and those extra 48 points you could have used last week <laughs> might have got yeah. you over the edge, right? Yeah, that's one of the reasons, you know, Eric uh, and I, we've always, uh, like, one of the person people I always say is, you know, Mike Williams. You know, a lot of people, mm -hmm. he's he's a great player. Either like it. Yeah, those yeah, guys. Yeah, and just the inconsistency, it can kill you. And I mean, it could also win you a week, obviously, but. <laughs> right, right. But you don't need to win every week by 50. I mean, that's great if you can, but, yeah. you know, if you're losing games by a couple and you're winning games by 50, yeah, if you're a little more consistent with your players, you can win every week by 10 or 20. So what about rookies? Um, <clears> you know, I think that's kind of the hardest uh, group of players to kind of identify. Uh, so, yeah. So in the guide itself, there is an actual article that I do every year because this question has come up every year. <laughs> and there's like, Bob, so what do you do with rookies? Because they haven't really proved much consistency wise. You know, other than their college, but not every college player becomes a great, you know, superstar college player becomes a superstar NFL player. And so I just put the, you know, you know, I'm a numbers guy. Um, I'm a CPA by day. So, you know, I'm numbers all the time. And so I said, you know what, I, I'm not going to say that they're inconsistent. I'm going to give you the data that proves that they're inconsistent. So uh, if you refer to page nine of your consistency guide, if you have it in front of you, uh, it shows that since 2010, so for the past 12 years, there have been 428 quarterback, running back, wide receivers, and tight ends drafted in the first four rounds of the college draft. Of those 428, only 46 players, which is about 11%, it's actually 10.75, so 11% 
actually exceeded 60% consistency rating in their rookie season for those who have played more than 10 games. That means 89% of them did not, which means they really weren't effectively, you know, bringing value to your team by having them in the starting lineup every week. Um, now, of course, you know, there's obviously great rookies like Le'Veon Bell, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, all those kind of folks that have come out. Uh, last year, you know, we had uh, guys like, um, who I went thinking, one um, brain did, Najee Harris, uh, you know, had a great year. He was 76% consistent in his rookie year. Uh, we've had Jalen Watt last year was 63%. But again, those are few and far between. In fact, Kyle Pitts was the first tight end to be over 60% consistent since Evan Ingram did it in 2017. And in fact, only three tight ends in the last 12 years have been over 60% consistent in their rookie season. Um, so that's what is out there for the rookies. What I will say is that wide receivers, if they show that consistency early, they seem to hold that consistency and become very successful, if not superstar players. So, I mean, I'll just name a few. Uh, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, uh, Jarvis Landry, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, all those guys, over 60% consistency in their first year, and all of them pretty much maintained a very consistent uh, career so far for many of them. So that's what it's all about when it comes to rookies. Not to say stay away from them, but you better be sure you, you know, going to get that 60% because if you're not, you may have wasted an early pick on somebody that may not be as effective as you think they would have been. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably the most interesting part of that. You know, you, you can't really, for me, you know, you can't really go into that rookie season and expect them to be fully consistent because the people that are, are the, you know, the huge outliers. Mm -hmm. Um, so unless you're going to find that superstar, um, which obviously we all hope to find the next superstar in our, our rookie drafts, but, um, you know, if it's don't, don't give up too early, I think is kind of the, the, the point there. Um, but, and of course this is all based on redrafts. So, you know, you get into dynasty, Devi, you know, that kind of stuff. Now it's a little bit different. Now you, you may not need that 60% consistency because you know that, Hey, that that running back is going to be behind this guy for the next two years, but then his contract will be up. He may move forward. You know, we see those kind of situations. Obviously, things change in those kind of leagues. But this, in a straight redraft, um, this is important information for people not to jump on the shiny new toys just because they're shiny. Yeah, love you making that distinction, Bob. When you were talking about uh, the consistency of these rookies, I was thinking. You know, in in dynasty leagues, you even see it where the team that, you know, had the second pick, right, meaning they were the second worst team in the league, they think mm-hmm. that this one rookie is going to just instantly bring them into the playoffs and, and right. you know, able to win a title right away. Or even more, you know, you have the team that might have taken third or fourth place, so they're drafting very late relatively. And they think, oh, this – seventh eighth ninth best rookie they're gonna make me go you know up above to the top and right. you proved it with you know stats with data that that is very unlikely less than 11 percent mm-hmm. of these players are hitting you know that consistency mark 
Right. And just to do a quick little vocab for our listeners. So um, the way you break it is you have what's considered a clutch game, and that is the number of times a player has met some, like, weekly score. Uh, and that depends right. on your league setting. So, you mm-hmm. know, if you play running backs, it's 12-team league, you got 24. If they – four, that's a clutch game, right, Bob? Yeah, and so basically – and the good thing is if you go to the uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports site, we actually have a report guide or report there that you can actually input your own scoring method and it will show you. And, and in, importantly in that is number of teams. Is it 10-team, 12-team, 14-team? Yep. And then you put in your scoring method, and it literally will recalculate and show you how consistent those players. But in a standard – so I'll just walk through the four positions for last year – Standard league, one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, no flex, just straight league. Um, then you're you're looking at about 19 and a half points for quarterbacks, 11 points for both wide receivers and running backs, and about eight and a half points for tight ends to earn a clutch game. Um, that fluctuates during the season, but it's always and the idea is to pick up um, you, the averages as you mentioned. You know that you know you're with at that level. Then that's you're getting into the top twelve quarterbacks for that week. Uh, wide receivers, I'm sorry, running backs at 24, 36 wide receivers, and 12 tight ends. There are some weeks that there's 16 quarterbacks that exceed that limit. Some weeks there's 10, but the average is around 12, and that's what the whole factor is about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, you know, I I think that's. Being able to like customize it to your league, that's that's one of the reasons I like the site, and mm-hmm. I like being able to do that, right? Because every league is different. Like, there's so many right. like, different types of leagues, and I mean, you know, we can use it for for everything. Like, one of my favorites has always been Keenan Allen, and I think, oh yeah, he's he's always been super consistent. You know, and mm-hmm. he might not he put those weeks up where it's like the third or fourth round. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I'm always thinking, like, man, I. You know, he's always going to produce for me. Um, right. And um, I, I love those guys. I like the guys that, are, you know, are going to produce like that consistent value because I don't, uh, that's one of the big things I've always said in, fa- in fantasy is I don't want somebody to lose me a week because right. they go for two points, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, so it's, it's interesting, right? Robert and I have been playing fantasy football for a long time, but it was only last year in 2021 where I, when I found your guide and you know reading and diving into it because you know i'm kind of like you i'm a numbers guy i'm kind of a nerd like that i love looking at Mm -hmm. data tables and these percentages and all you know averages and whatnot and um i kind of realized that without knowing it i was applying these um principles already in Mm -hmm. my fantasy leagues you know i i could recognize like we said the tyler lockett's and the mike williams the Deshaun Jacksons, and, you know, for those that are, you know, OG fantasy football players, Deshaun Alexander's, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, right. as the players in their league that say, oh, I, I'm just unlucky. I'm, un, you know, I <laughs> look how many points I had. Mm-hmm. And what I really love about your guide is you have this consistency record. Mm-hmm. You, um, yes. you, you basically what you're doing is you're re standings based off of mm-hmm. if you were more consistent um yeah 
So it, it really shows, it does, right? If you have a big difference positively, if you would have won two more games, three more games, if you were more consistent, it it shows that you were very inconsistent, right? And that could be the difference between being a, you know, not in the playoffs and maybe even winning a championship. And right. your yeah. guy pulls that out so well. Yeah, no, and, and I did that, and that's how I decided – that's how I figured out that I could have done that in that league that year is I did that basically that, uh, you know, procedure or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and realized, my gosh, you know, I scored X amount of points and, you know, here's the real league average. And I always tell people you can be consistently bad. You're still bad. You know, <laughs> just because you score 50 points a week consistently, uh, if you need to score 70 points a week, that's not going to help you by being more consistent. It's that your players need to be there on a consistent basis um, to help you get over that. And that, as that shows in the guide, you know, that there's two teams that are nine and five, one scored more. Uh, and if he would have scored them more consistently, he would have uh, made the playoffs. Uh, but he didn't because the top three made it or, or something like that, or top four. And I, I think I was, that was the other one, nine and five guy. And the tiebreaker was like head to head, which I lost to team five. But I realized, man, if my team had been more consistent, I would have been 11 and three and it wouldn't even been an issue. Um, and so that was why I, you know, again, why I put that together. Yeah. One of the uh, like little inside jokes that me and Eric have is, uh, you know, I've always been saying over the last two years, especially um, that I have consistent injuries. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and, it's hard to control that. Yeah. But it, is, it is what it isn't, you know? Yeah. Um, I've had, I've always, it seems like I always average at least like five, six guys uh, getting injured for the year. Uh, And it's like, and it was just, it's always like kind of just an inside joke. Like uh, every year, you know, if I'm, if it's really, you're really high on my board and uh, I ended up getting you on my team, you're, you're much more likely to, you know, get the season ending injury. It seems like. Yeah. No, I had um, one of those last year. I had a league where I drafted the first two rounds, Christian McCaffrey and JK Dobbins. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then yeah, you're, you you're, well. you're, you're years <laughs> over at that point. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh so what do we so Eric, what do you want to talk about next for the um dynasty in terms of you know how the how the rankings kind of can be applied to the to your team in Dynasty <sighs> right. next year? So I, I always like, you know, probably five years ago, I don't think I was in any dynasty leagues because I was like, well, what good is it for me to be in dynasty leagues? Because my stuff is all kind of based on redraft, you know, I, I'm consistency of players and that kind of stuff. And then I got roped into a couple of leagues in my, in my state of Ohio, because a couple guy or a guy down in, a guy down in Columbus put together uh, a couple leagues and wanted like all the guys from Ohio, like to meet in Columbus, we'd have a live draft, do the startup draft dynasty. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay, fine. But now that I've gotten into it, and I've now I'm five years in and I'm in maybe four or five dynasty leagues. What I'm finding is, is that the consistency can be very valuable because many, many dynasty owners, and, and, and if you're one of them out there, please, no disrespect, but they're all about the shiny new toys. They're always about rebuilding. I want rookies. I want picks. I want this. So a guy like Keenan Allen, like, has little value to them. 
Now, granted, that's not everybody, but it seems to be a majority. Um, and so all of a sudden, like, I'm going after these guys that are second years in, two, you know, maybe two or three years in. They haven't hit their peak, but they're also not rookies. But I'm I'm trading for them to get and sometimes I'm trading away picks. So I'm almost pulling like a Los Angeles Rams kind of thing. I'm gonna trade all my picks for veteran stars because yeah, I only have three or four years out of them. But guess what? If I win two titles in four years, what do I care? <laughs> right? Yeah. So what if I, you know, dynasty is supposedly about the getting that dynasty team that is unstoppable and you win like five straight years, but more often than not, it doesn't work out that way. So like I play dynasty, but with a win now attitude. So the one league, like I said, I traded all of my 2022 picks and got like DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, Alvin Kamara, um, because people were more than happy to get rid of them. Because, you know, granted, Kamara's got the suspension. Um, I traded for Deshaun Watson. And all I had to trade was Daniel Jones and a second-round pick. Because they didn't want to deal with what could happen. Now, granted, it's risky. But I'm like, now I've got this Superflex dynasty team that has Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler. Uh, you know, uh, I had Fournette. I actually just traded Fournette for Javante Williams. Um, and gave up like a 2024 one and a 2023 second. So I'm going after the guys. Now, granted, you know, Devontae is definitely a younger player, but, you know, I have Stefan Diggs and I have Metcalf and I have. So I've got now this team. When you look at it on paper, like, I really have a very good shot to win this year. Now, I do have some younger players like Javante Williams. Now I have Elijah Moore. I have Elijah Mitchell. You know, so I have some young kids behind me. But I'm going after those veteran consistent players that people are feeling like, oh, they've only got a couple years left, so I might as well get rid of them and get somebody younger or get some picks to get some guys younger. And I'm taking the opposite approach of I'll just wait, get the veterans when people feel like they only got a couple years left. And so right or wrong, I haven't won a championship with it yet. So, you know, folks out there, don't don't be you know, trading all your picks next year for that scenario. But I feel like I got to at least try this because it seems like I'm zigging when people are zagging. Um, your thoughts, uh, you know, the approach, uh, is it is it dumb? Is it worthwhile? I guess, again, I haven't proved I've won anything yet. So, but I feel like I'm just kind of taking that Rams approach to, hey, they won a Super Bowl by trading all their picks for a bunch of veterans. It worked. So let's see if it works here. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, it's something that I've started to do in our Debbie League uh, a little bit to a lesser extent. You know, I've still I've kept trying to keep at least most of my college, my early college picks to get, like, you know, the star freshmen that are coming in. Right. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I agree with you. Right. Everybody thinks of this new toy. I like I think of it like like, like look at Sky Moore. Um, you know, I, I think if you're if you can find people that have these guys super high in their board you know and you can get a good value for them then absolutely you know it's a it's a very good situation to trade these young guys that you're bringing that you just drafted and selling them for more than what you're you know 
what what because they haven't proven anything yet, right? So right. you don't know if they're gonna work out. You don't know if they're gonna be consistent. You don't know if they're gonna be even startable. You know, like so. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, Bob, I I really like it. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I uh, am a recovering new shiny toy addict. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I. Every dynasty league that I was doing for years, I was doing the productive struggle. You know, oh, let me trade trade back in the startup. Let me trade uh, this pick for future draft picks. Let me trade. Let me mm-hmm. take the young players. You know, if they're old, you know, if I say old, you know, if they're over twenty five, I don't want them. You know, type of thing. Right. Unless yeah, they're a QB. Right. <clears throat> and um, I gotta say, I haven't won too many titles uh, doing that. So. After seeing your consistency guide and and thinking about it this summer, I said, you know what? I'm going to go all in, um, and I'm in a startup. I'm, a, I'm a, what a, I don't know. We're 15 rounds in, and um, I am all in. I got Tom Brady, and I got uh, Jameis Winston, and then I just got I got Eggs Mixon, uh, you know, these older players who are super mm-hmm. established you know, both of my first round future picks. Like why? Cause I'm thinking, first of all, a lot of people like to say, Oh, let me play for the future. Right. Like you said, everyone mm-hmm. thinks dynasty is let me get five titles in a row. Right. First of all, newsflash, not a lot of leagues for five years. Right. And, or not. And, and, you know, and just because you think you've got a great team, you get a couple injuries or guys get traded to a team with a lesser quarterback, like a Tyreek Hill, you know, yeah. I mean, think about the value of him going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua, um, you know, and with these guys jumping teams like that, you know, or, you know, DK Metcalf, who's 24. And if he still had Russell Wilson would probably top three dynasty wide receiver. Well, now he's got Drew Locks. Guess what? He's maybe top 20. Um, and so, you know, that stuff changes so drastically. Like, I don't know how you could maintain a dominant dynasty team, um, just from that alone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how can you anticipate these moves? And you're right Right. that the NFL is becoming more like fluid. It's almost becoming the NBA where these superstars who used to be, Mm -hmm. you know, it was ridiculous to consider that this player, that player would be traded. But now it's happening consistently. Oh yeah, right. I mean, no, yeah. It's, just think about Christian McCaffrey, right? Like, what if what? Like, I, I would, I can absolutely see a world where Christian McCaffrey, if you know the Panthers aren't successful this year, if they, I can imagine a world where they where they trade him, right? And that's something that you have to consider in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think the only thing that I would say against you know trading all your picks is I think that situation, right, where. You know, maybe you you just traded for Chris McCaffrey, and then he gets traded, you know, either the next year or something like that, and then he sees a huge value uh, dump, right? But, mm-hmm. um, but no, I mean, I I like it because I mean, it's something that I think that a lot of people get caught into is right is is you know they look at this rookie and they're like, man, he's going to be a superstar because we all do it. Like every everybody that covers fantasy football, I feel like kind of looks at these rookies and they're like you know, they get super excited uh, for him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the people in the NFL do the same thing, right? Where they're like, oh man, like this guy's going to be a superstar. Like we don't know that, you know, if whenever we go to draft day, we don't know that. Um, and if we could tell the future, you know, we wouldn't yeah. be in this business. 
Well, like, for example, you know, if you go back to that rookies um, article I was talking about, you know, here's some of the rookie running backs who obviously have went on to be amazing players. So, like I said, Barkley, Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara, um, you know, uh, Todd Gurley, you know, in his prime, Najee Harris already, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt, um, all have had very successful careers after having their 60% consistency rating in the first year. Um, but <laughs> let me now mention the guys who also had over 60% in the first year, and you tell me what happened to them. So Eddie Lacy, Doug Martin, uh, TJ Yeldon, Trent Richardson, Giovanni Bernard. So, you know, uh, half of those guys are, you know, um, major stars or have had a major success. Half of them disappeared within the next couple of years uh, after they had their decent rookie season. So, um, and, you know, people like Eddie Lacy was 87% consistent. Doug Martin was 81% consistent in their rookie seasons and then fell off the face of the earth. So, yeah, you know, I remember running backs are harder to predict. So, you know, even if Brees Hall does come out, let's say he sets the world on fire this year and, you know, gets 70, 80% consistency playing for the Jets, who's to know if that's going to continue at running back because they're, you know, one one hit to the knee and they're toast, you know. I mean, and I know that can happen to any player, but it's tough. Yeah. I, I remember that Doug Martin season too. That you know, it was it was kind of shocking seeing him. You know, because yeah. like a lot of people were like, "Oh man, he's the next superstar," and then he just—I don't even think he had. Did he have one other good year after that? I don't even remember. I think the next year was okay, but then yeah. I think injury started to set in, and yeah. he was done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, running backs are a crazy, crazy breed. Right. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I just wanted to identify some of the running backs that I'm targeting because of what we're talking about. We're talking about how it's unreliable. Well, when something's unreliable as a commodity, I tend to want to try and get something that's at a discount, and especially something that's at a discount that has proved to be reliable in the past. And I'm looking at, actually, I'm looking at your tier three of running backs for the consistency guide, and almost mm-hmm. every one of them I'm are the people I'm targeting. David yeah, Montgomery, no, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs. Those are all the guys I'm looking at. Uh, the only one you have here that I, hasn't shown the consistency is Barkley, but that's that's more injury-driven than performing. Right. So, yeah, you know. No, I like, totally agree. And, you know, if you go down into Tier 4, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, Damian Harris – uh, you know, Connor, Akers, all those guys have potential to be very, very solid RB2s, uh, if not maybe RB1s, depending on how their season goes, right? So, you know, if you're ever wanting to wait um, and get like two running or two wide receivers back to back and then get your uh, running backs around three and four, man, this is the year to do it. That's for sure. Yeah, I think Etienne's probably the the most interesting of the like kind of the lower tier guys for mm-hmm. me, obviously it's the name that, you know, that the, there's a lot of big names in there, but uh, for Ed, for Etienne, I think a lot of people, you know, we were talking about the shiny toy. A lot of people f- had Etienne as this really shiny toy last year mm-hmm. and then he got hurt and now everybody's off the this train, but he didn't play a game. Right. Right. So I, how can I say that he's bad just because he didn't play a game? 
I think if he comes back healthy, and I think the preseason's kind of be the kind of time where I decide that. Yeah. If he looks healthy, I think he's going to be a big target for me in, in August drafts. Yeah, if Travis Etienne in a preseason game bust off a long run or a long catch and run, his his ADP is going to skyrocket. Just skyrocket. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're doing drafts, do them now before camp starts. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get any better value than you're getting right now out of him. Yeah, it's like Barkley. Uh, I remember yeah, his same first Barkley, run. Yeah, this year. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Zeke. Zeke will be the same way. If Zeke looks healthy and people start raving about him having that pop again or that that burst again, oof, look out. You know. Yeah. Because because I mean, with uh, like look at AP when he came back from his knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what year that was, but it was you know like ten years ago now. But uh, he came back that first year. He wasn't great. And then the second year, though, he came back and he looked like a superstar. I'm pretty sure that was the year he had 2,000 yards, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. The second year yeah. after the ACL. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, oh. I thought it was the first year after the ACL because they didn't think he'd even play. And they said basically that was the most superhuman thing ever seen. Like yeah. nobody comes back from an ACL and rushes for 2,000 yards, let alone even make it through the season. And he was just amazing. I thought he did it the same year. That the following year, but maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking that wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it's been a while. So it's, yeah, I, think right. Right right. Of the years. I, I think it was 2012. He won the league MVP and he, he missed the like single season rushing record by like nine yards or something like, yeah, it was yeah. like you said, I it think was the, the ACL was the year before because they said, you know, it was, well, it takes nine months to come back and then you're not a hundred percent and this, that, and the other. And then he just exploded. Like it was like, and then I think if you talk to any of like the fantasy doctors or any of those, you know, doctors out that are in this world, they'll tell you that was inhuman. That just was beyond normality. That was like, you know, Tom Brady, alien-esque type stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we've talked a lot about running backs and wide receivers. Is there anything specifically for like tight ends because I think with tight ends, that's like the hardest position to to nail down, and it's also mm-hmm. probably the t- the the one position that can like really make a difference to be a league winner if you can get that late round tight end. No, that's true, and and you know, interestingly enough, in the guide um, every year I show the breakdown year by year since 2017 of the number of tight ends over 200 plus fantasy points and the number of tight ends over 65% consistency, because even 65%, there ain't a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, and the thing is that it's fluctuated so incredible that it's hard to pin down. So we started in 2017. We got three over 200, eight over 65. Next year, four and seven. 19, we pop up to five and 11, which is actually the best year we've had in a while. Um, then 2020 drops down only two tight ends over 200 points and only four that were over 65 percent. Uh, 2021 then was three and 10. So last year was three and 10. So now we have a little bit more depth at the tight end position. And I think that's a good thing for this year. So I think this is the year that, you know, you can wait and you can go mid round. So Round six, you can get a Dalton Schultz, a Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. 
you know, Hawkinson, Knox, Gasecki, you know, between the sixth and 10th round. Um, be honest with you, most drafts that I've done this summer, I'm usually grabbing two tight ends in like round nine and 10. And they're usually a combination of like Zach Ertz and Higby or um, Higby's like tight end 20. It's ridiculous. Last year, he was fifth in consistency at 73%. He was 14th in total points. He missed uh, two games. Um, so, you know, he plays those two games. He's top 10 in scoring and top five in consistency. And he's a tight end 20. Um, he's 100% healthy. They they just admitted that this past week, that he was ready for full full go in, in camp. And he's on an offense that is on fire. Um, so, like I said, I don't understand why people are so down on him. Yes, I know he did have a little injury there that he had to get some cleanup, but it wasn't like he blew out an ACL or an Achilles. Um, it was just a little bit of knee, you know, knee issues and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if you want to do the Kelsey Andrews, Kyle Pitts and pick and pick one of them in round one, two or three, that's your call. Um, but let's also remember that Dalton Schultz was had a higher consistency rating last year than Kelsey did. And he can go in the fifth or sixth round. Um, and I think, you know, he's definitely one of my favorites. If I'm at round six and I really feel good about my running back wide receivers, um, I probably will go Schultz. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big fan of Schultz. Um, personally, I, I, but I feel like he's better in redraft than he is in dynasty. I feel like most right. of my, my dislike for Schultz is coming down, comes down to the, the contract. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if he's going to get re-signed, and I and I think that's kind of the big question there. But that, that doesn't matter at all for for redraft, obviously. Right, um, right. Um, do you think that Kelsey's going to have a better consistent cons, consistency ranking this year? Um, without Tyreek Hill there, I do. Um, but I also believe that teams are also probably going to try to double him up a lot more than they used to because Tyreek is gone. Um, yeah, I, I think one thing that I think might happen is like if you look at um, TJ Hawkinson at the beginning of mm -hmm. the season, I wonder if that's going to kind of be the way that teams cover Kelsey, kind of just right. you know focus solely on on the right. tight ends. Right, and why would you not? Why would you not just bring a safety up and have that safety help with the linebacker to cover Kelsey underneath? Yeah, because you don't have a Tyreek that's going to burn down the sidelines and and go and and burn you deep. Um, Hardman has potential, but he hasn't been that great or he'd have made a hell of more of an impact earlier. Um, you know, Juju and, you know, and MVS, I mean, they're, they're solid receivers, but they're not going to scare anybody like Tyreek scare people. Um, so I think Kelsey will be more consistent because of the factor of only having to get eight points, eight and a half points. I mean, he can easily get six catches for 60 yards and that's 12 points. So even if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's that consistency definitely will be there. Yeah. Um, but he might not score as many points. You know, he might he'll still be first or second in total points with him and Andrews, maybe Pitts. Um, but I just don't know if I'm I, I don't feel worthy of picking him uh, in round one or two, even three. I mean, he's not going to be on my teams, basically. I mean, um, just because of that. Because I'm going to wait and get uh, Schultz, uh, Waller, you know, Ertz, Goddard. There's just so many solid, and and you know, there's not a uh, there's there is a tier three, but there's some good guys in tier three like Cole Komet, Gerald Everett, Robert Tanyan if he's healthy, Cameron Brait now 
for Tampa Bay without Gronkowski there. Uh, you know, Fryermoose in there, Hunter Henry's in there. Um, you know, you could, there's just, I think there's enough depth that, again, you're not going to set the world on fire with these tight ends. But if you've loaded up well on consistent players at what running back and wide receiver in your first five or six rounds, you don't need a ton out of that tight end. You just need, you know, that if you can get close to that eight, eight and a half points every week, that's really probably enough because you've, you've, you've made it up in the other positions. Um, and I think that's what's important because you draft a Kelsey in round one or two, you just gave up a top tier running back wide receiver. So you yeah, better either be really good at drafting later and picking yeah. up some late round guys um, or Kelsey goes off onto a year like he had a couple years ago. Yeah, you're hoping basically that Kelsey outscores the – 15th yeah, top, best tight end by 10 receivers, points. Right. Which he's done. Yeah. He's done that. No. Uh, Eric, what do you think, though? Are you uh, – do you agree with us about the tight ends? Or uh, I do want to say this, Bob. You got me really excited because two of my biggest targets in Dynasty are Zach Ertz and Tyler Higby, especially Zach Beautiful. Ertz. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've been railing years. on this podcast about Ertz. Yeah. How – did people forget that Zach Ertz is an amazingly good player? Like, right. you know what I mean? In your consistency mm-hmm. guide in 2019, he was in tier one with um, with Kelsey, I'm sure of it. Um, right. And and now with the situation, especially this year, right, for redraft, my God, you got Hopkins on the suspension. You have Hollywood Brown. Right. Yes, they have the college history, but, like, that was a long time ago. And, and Zach Ertz, was tight in four overall from the time he was traded to the end of the season. And this is a player, right, mm-hmm. just thrown into the office. Here you go. He was pr- right. producing, uh, you know, right. at elite levels. And Yeah, he was also seven of eight in the last eight games in consistency. So he was 88%, which would have put him number one. Just yeah. over that last second, that pretty much after he got traded. Um, I think there was a couple, I think he got like the first game. He didn't do anything because he was kind of getting his bearings, but yeah, second half of the year, like you said, he was fourth in total points, 88% consistent, which will put him number one. And yet you can get him in round nine or 10, just, yeah. disgusting. which I love. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> so my question, Bob is, is I know we went through how through the last handful of years, the depth and then the hype, like, the high level, right? That 200 plus point has varied significantly. Is your strategy for drafting, let's talk redraft, change year to year where you're like, okay, for example, right now, we just saw some pretty good depth at the tight end position, that 65% consistency uh, standard. So when you see that as like a cycle, do you wait on tight end? And then, you know, earlier back in 17, when there was less depth, were you more prone to try and draft one earlier? Yeah, a little bit earlier. I mean, I still probably never got to the get Kelsey in round end of round one or early round two. But I definitely know that a couple of years ago, like you said, back in that time frame, I was definitely going over, you know, trying to get maybe a George Kittle or, you know, whoever was the hot one there, probably Ertz back then. Um, you know, or something like that. But then, you know, you got burned by Ertz then that year. Um, so, like I said, I'm I'm normally a mid to late tight end kind of person. Um, 
you know, just because of that, uh, I, again, it just outside of Kelsey, you really have a hard time getting solid consistency out of any tight end, uh, which is why people are drafting Kelsey that early. But, you know, the, the what you're giving up really just, I don't know, I always feel like it's just too much. Um, you know, certainly that one year he was worth it, but like last year, second in total points, actually, you know, uh, 30 points, 34 points behind Mark Andrews, you know, third in consistency he was actually behind Dalton Schultz. So, you know, Kelsey, I feel like his age is creeping up and now he's going to have no Tyreek to help. I feel like it's, it's a little more riskier to take Kelsey than it used to be um, at that ADP. You know, if you can get Kelsey around five, I'm all for it, but you're not, you're not going to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that's, I think the big thing with the tight ends, right. Is a lot of people overdraft them and um, you know, if you overdraft them and then you don't make up that value in, in the later rounds, you know, it's hard to, to get that star tight end. And then if they're not consistent, which with tight ends, like you said, it's <laughs> there, there are a lot of them aren't mm-hmm. um, and it changes from year to year. Um you know, I, I think a lot of people have Mark Andrews really high, but I think, you know, with Lamar back, I think maybe you see a little bit less consistent of a year with with Mark Andrews because um, mm-hmm. he had a lot of really good games with um, yeah, the Tyler Huntley. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, about half of those clutch games last year came <laughs> with, with uh, a different quarterback and even had better games with the newer quarterback who needed a – uh, a security blank a little bit more than Lamar does. And yeah, Andrews didn't do as well. Um, you know, now you, you lose Marquise Brown again, somebody can take the top off the defense. Uh, now maybe Bateman does that. We'll see, but I don't know. Well, you know, it's just, just kind of risky. I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to have a million targets. I definitely like him, but you still have to draft him in round three. So, um, but again, teams could also double him and, take that away because they don't have much a wide receiver either. So. Yeah. It's actually crazy to me. Like how many of the like teams with just elite tight ends have traded away their best receivers this year. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't, it's weird. You know, I, I think um, I feel like they're all, they're all should be competing. Well, except for the Falcons, but um, <laughs> the Falcons didn't really have a choice and, and like Calvin really got suspended, but right, right, right. Bob, I'm curious. So thinking Dynasty, with Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. showing that year one consistency, right? He had 65% consistency rating. So he met that minimum threshold. And when you're looking at a, a tight end of that age, and then you're thinking of the landscape of tight ends, are you prioritizing him like significantly higher um, because of that positional scarcity and the Absolutely, hopes that you yeah. could get the next Travis Kelsey, right? Where year in, year out, you're getting this top tier consistent tight end. Yeah. I mean, you do, you, you know, you definitely look at, you know, the talent, the age, um, you know, the only thing that scares everybody, well, should scare people about Pitts is the fact that, well, the team around him is is kind of garbage. (laughs) You know, there's there's no good quarter. There's not a solid quarterback. Their running backs are, yeah, marginal at best. You've got a poor receiving core. You know, that's the only thing that scares me is what if teams go, look, Kyle Pitch is your only superstar? We're going to double team him. We're not going to let him see the ball. 
you want to beat us, beat us with, uh, you know, Olamide Zacchaeus and, you know, Cordell Patterson and Marcus Mariota and a rookie and Drake London, who may be solid, but hasn't proved anything. Um, that's the only thing that kind of, you know, like you can target a guy 20 times a game and that's fantastic. But if he can't see the ball because there's four people surrounding him, it's not going to work out well. Right. Um, yeah. not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying that I, that it concerns me, you know, where, uh, a guy like Dalton Schultz, there are too many other targets to throw to. There's too good of a running game for teams to not, you know, watch the line of scrimmage. And uh, there's just a lot of other weapons. And I kind of feel like the teams that have a good tight end with a lot of weapons, like Kelsey has had for years and Schultz had last year and, and others have done, um, definitely makes me feel more comfortable or like a Darren Waller in, in you know, Las Vegas where there's enough people around him to keep him, you know, not to be focused on. Yeah. I think uh Friar Muth is like probably the most interesting of those guys. The only mm-hmm. question mark for him is quarterback. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you, you know, if he gets a good quarterback play this year, I think he could be that next Dalton Schultz, right. And that finishes like kind of in the top five or six yeah. area. And, um, you know, yeah, he was uh, not bad. I mean, he was 13th in total points, you know, 17th in consistency, but 50%, which is, you know, not great, but that's not terrible for tight ends. Um, you know, we'll see how, you know, Trubisky or whoever, you know, or whether Pickett starts, but, you know, I figure either one of them, you know, the problem is they have Claypool, they have Deontay Johnson, they've got, you know, a lot of talent at wide receivers. Um, how much are they going to really need to use, you know, Friar Muth? But I feel like he's probably going to be pretty close to where he's at this year, which is not terrible, but it's also not a league winner, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, Eric, do you have anything else that uh, you want to talk about today? Well, I would love to, uh, Bob, just give you a moment here to discuss the Fantasy Football Expo. Um, tell us where you know, messing up for not going. Uh, we're we're <laughs> hoping to be there in 2023 very much. That's All our right, plan. That's cool. um, but it just didn't work out for us this year. But we're really excited about what you've been doing at the Fantasy Football Expo. You're growing fantasy Thanks. football. You're connecting people. You're really helping the community as a whole. Uh, I just wanted you to, you know, tell us a little bit about it in general for our listeners and, and you give us a shout-out for the Fantasy Football Expo. You bet. Um, so the Fantasy Football Expo has always been a dream of mine. Uh, I've lived my whole life uh, here in Canton, Ohio. So, you know, I drive past the Pro Football Hall of Fame every day. As a child, used to go to the games with my dad and grandfather and, you know, watch the, you know, Dan Marino's of the world play. And, uh, you know, just watched it become this amazing, you know, went from this little two-day kind of Canton-only kind of thing to this, five-day extravaganza where hundreds of thousands of people come into town and, you know, massive concerts and parades and, you know, Triumph's held 23,000 people on ESPN. I mean, it's just, I watched it bloom. And, and in addition to that, I've also been a volunteer driver for Hall of Fame weekend uh, of the Enshrinees for the last 33 years. Um, so I've driven everybody from Al Davis to John Madden to Kurt Warner last year, John Lynch this year, I have Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. Um, wow. 
So I've been on the inside of that world too and watched how it all is put together. Um, and I, in my mind, as I, I got deeper into the fantasy community over the last 20 years, I realized like, why can't we do a weekend like that for fantasy football? We have the Hall of Fame. Obviously, we have the hotel space. We've got all of this great stuff for people to see and do. Why not just let's just do it? And so 2019 kind of put it together in combination with the King's Classic, which is the best of the best drafting live from the Pro Football Hall of Fame um, that we do on Saturday, do the expo on Sunday, and let's throw a few parties in between, right? Uh, because we all like that. Uh, and, and, and it just exploded. 2019, we had 75 people show up. We had 30 booths. It was a nice little event. 2020, we don't talk about, didn't exist. 2021, okay, let's see what we can do with this. People are getting vaccinated. Looks like we'll be good by August of 2021. And so we opened it back up and we had over 500 people show up last year. Um, so I was like, oh, whoa, what just happened here, right? Uh, and it, it was exactly what I guess I always dreamed of, right? Just all of us enjoying each other, you know, debate about our favorite players, what we like, what we dislike, have a trade show with people could show off their their website. And, and I really made it as much as I don't, you know, uh, no disrespect to the NBC Sports, who is our title sponsor and Fantasy Points and Football Guys and, and Fantasy Alarm, who are also major sponsors. I really made this for us, the people who have full-time jobs and have a passion for fantasy football, whether it's your podcast, like you guys, or my books or stuff that I just have done my, you know, my career, but on the side, right? Hobby that got a little bit out of control. And so I said, you know, I don't want this to be expensive. And I, and I had been to various big national conventions in my days. Um, one year, uh, Roto Experts, who I was writing for, if you remember them, they did a big uh, fantasy football convention the, at the Atlantic City Convention Center. Huge place. Um, and But it was too expensive for every, you know, the, the common person, you know, as a vendor or even as an attendee, really, it was a little bit out of the price range. And they didn't get as many people to come. And I said, well, you know, if we start slow and low, you know, low cost for everybody to come so it didn't matter. You know, if you're just starting out or you're five years or 10 years in, you could come on and meet the superstars like Andy Barron's and, you know, Bob Harris and those kind of guys. But also then, you know, make new friends and share ideas. And now, you know, people have those superstar guys coming on their podcast. And like they said, they're like, Bob, I never would have even had the guts to ask them that to come on like they like I would they would be appalled to come on my podcast and they come on and they don't have an ego and it's like yeah see I knew that I met these guys I know these guys but not everybody did and so now it's just a big family reunion every year right um you know we're going to have parties we're going to play have a cornhole tournament flight football tournament quarterback skills challenge for charity um, you know, we're going to be inside of this dome with a, this full practice field, football field inside. And, 
um, it's just, you know, it's just going to be a blast. And that's what it's about. You know, if you learn something about fantasy football or you make a contact, that's great. But it's just really about getting together and enjoying the weekend and kind of letting loose a little bit, but also making some new friends, making some new contacts. I mean, there was a lot of people last year who got hired at major uh, fantasy sites from being there and meeting the right people. Um, I didn't plan it that way. That was never my goal, but man, I'm glad it works out for them. Um, and so that's what it's about. It's really just a lot of fun. Um, you know, if you're into fantasy football, I tell people this is the perfect road trip, right? Whether you're guys, girls, doesn't matter. Uh, bring your wife, bring your, you know, whatever. Um, there's things for them to do. There's a beautiful vineyard in town called Gervasi. Uh, the wives love to hang out there. Significant others love to hang out there. Um, but just have them come for the fun. I think they'll really, really enjoy being here. Cannes, nice little small town. You can get anywhere in 10 minutes. Um, tons of hotels. Everything's close. It, it really is just a great time. And that's what it's always been about. And I'm just glad that this dream got to come true and everybody gets to come along with it. Yeah, thank you so much for that. You know, um, yeah, I, I think our listeners would be really interested in kind of learning a little bit more about that and maybe even going, right? I think yeah. if you're so listening just to the go podcast. To, yeah, so if you just go to thefantasyfootballexpo.com and click on buy tickets, you can get the whole weekend package for only $75. So, you know, tickets to get into both parties, get into the expo, you get a T-shirt, you get a swag bag with tons of coupons. Like last year, I think we had over $200 worth of coupons. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a great time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sold, Robert. Uh, we we got to find our way there in 2023. It, it's clear to me, um, you know, so we can uh, shake the hand of the man that has uh, created such a platform and an event for fantasy football and for Canton, Ohio as well. Uh, yeah, thanks. You know, good for you, Bob. Really happy to see this surviving the pandemic. There are lots of things like this that, uh, you know, derailed right. and, and you have kept it going. And it looks like 2022 is going to be your biggest year yet. Uh, what do you, we're just, just over away, right, Bob? Yeah, yeah, two and a half weeks away. <laughs> yeah, trust me, my brain's my brain explodes on a daily basis. Like, oh my God, here it comes. But it's been great. You know, it's it wouldn't be any fun if there wasn't a little pressure, right? Um, yeah. So it's been a it's a great ride, and I'm I'm just like you said, I, I'm just so glad that the community supports this because they could all poo poo it and go, ah, that's a waste of time. But everybody from top from the big boys all the way down have supported this and they all come and, you know, um, they're, they're up there on the panels. They're part of the expert mock draft. Uh, you know, so if you're a big fan of an Andy Barron's, Bob Harris, Howard Bender, Michael Fabiano, any of those kind of guys, they're going to be there. You get to meet them and you're going to realize they're pretty cool people. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, I'm happy that not only uh, those big people support you, but even all the way down to the little the little guys like us, the Bubble of Fantasy Football Podcast. We certainly support the Fantasy Expo. Um, and you. Bob, we, thank you so much for coming on and, no, and enlightening us, teaching us more about this consistency guide. Thank you for yeah. everything you do. Uh, it's been great to have you on as our first guest. And thank uh, you, Mark. 
do you have anything anything else for our listeners before we sign off? I'll just wrap it all up. So everybody, you know, thanks again for listening. Um, so on Twitter, follow me at Bob underscore Lung. Uh, you can also follow the expo at the FF Expo. Uh, then the website is the fantasyfootballexpo.com. Get your tickets there. Um, get all registered and signed up for everything for that. Uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports is the site to get your consistency reports and all your information. And of course, go to Amazon.com and put in 2022 Consistency Guide and get the Consistency Guide. And it ties it all up in a nice little package. All right. Well, we thank everybody for listening. Um, and, you know, we ho- uh, hope everybody gives us a follow on Twitter again. Uh, rate and review wherever you listen to the podcast, please. Uh, that'd be great help for us. And um, yeah, you know, um, I look forward hope. Everybody enjoyed the episode, and uh, thanks again. Thank you. Yep. Thank right. you, Bob. Thank you, Robert. <laughs>